Hello, friends, and welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. This is Kristen Carey, and I'm excited to host part two of a two-part series about the impact of sexual addiction and sexual betrayal on a daughter. I really think this could apply to sons as well. This is a really sacred experience of listening to a young woman named Taylor, who is so brave, share her story of the impact of her dad's sexual addiction and the betrayal trauma her mom experienced on her. So if you haven't already listened to the first part of this series, I encourage you to do so if you have the time. If you don't, you just can stay here with us and I'll update you a little bit. In the first part of this podcast series, Taylor updates us on how she found out about her dad's sexual addiction and the impact that it had on her in the early days. She also shares the relief and the sense of freedom she felt when she walked into her very first Daughters in the Battle meeting in December of 2017, which was actually the very first Daughters meeting that I ever hosted. She finally felt like, wow, I have my place. This is where I can talk about this. And she experienced the tremendous power of not feeling alone. In this episode, Taylor's going to continue her story with this start of her recovery. That's what she calls that first time she walked into a Daughters in the Battle recovery meeting. She was able to start her recovery. She shares how all the things she went through with her parents impacted her view of sex and marriage. She's also going to share what helped her really heal once that recovery process began. She shares how she set boundaries and, and how that was difficult in her family. She also shares some things that her parents did that accelerated her healing. And overall, Taylor just really encourages the sons and daughters of betrayal trauma to find their own recovery. And she gives some recommendations for parents of what you can do to help your kids heal from this traumatic impact of sexual addiction and sexual betrayal on the whole family unit. So... Stay tuned here and listen to the second part of Taylor's story. We talk a lot in the women's betrayal trauma circles about the power of the group, Mm -hmm. like just how powerful it is to be among other people who are going through the same thing as you in an environment where you're free to share how you feel. Nobody's going to judge you. You can drop whatever language you need to drop. You can yeah. just, you can be honest and be free and to, to share what's on your heart, knowing that you're not going to be judged and nobody's going to try to fix you or change the way you're feeling because your feelings are not wrong. They're just feelings mm-hmm. and there needs to be a safe place to voice them. Mm-hmm. So um, over time, what did having that spot to land and, and be honest and like then, you know, we go on and have our first retreat that summer together. What did all of that experience mean to you in your recovery? Mm-hmm. It started my recovery for sure. Yeah. I would say those first couple months leading up to going to Daughters in the Battle was just like didn't know what to do. And then and then having that was like, OK, I could talk to you and say, my counselor doesn't know what sex addiction is. Should I get a different counselor? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're like, yes, you should. And so then I found a counselor. Well, actually, I went through another counselor mm-hmm. that didn't also be a great fit. It wasn't a great fit for me. But then I found a counselor that specialized in sex addiction. And so that was a better fit because I could say things and she would understand them. And yeah. Um, and she knew that you were traumatized. Yes. She knew to treat what you were going through as trauma mm-hmm. 
and to help support you through that. Mm -hmm. And she knew, yeah, she knew the intricacies of the like sexual nature of it too. And like just the odd things that that can bring out, just how that impacts my own sex life and my own. I want um, you to talk about that. Yeah. That is, I think that's really important. How has this impacted your view of marriage, men, sex, all of that? Yeah. I would say initially it made me really wary of all of that so I would say like 16 year old Taylor when I didn't know a lot I first just started acting out kind of more sexually yeah just not caring and then the second time it was more just like I don't even know what to do with that part of my life because that part of like it feels uncontrollable like if this is what my parents reality is then it's not something that I even want to like touch right now like I don't want to I don't really trust guys yeah I don't you know, it's just not something that I even want to deal with. I, I don't even know how to tell a guy what I'm currently like going through. I don't I I'm don't naturally trust people quickly or easily. So to to, you know, word vomit on them that I'm my family's in this situation just felt like not something that I could even try. Uh, so it definitely took me a little bit to get back into that mindset that I could have my own sexual identity and my own you know, romantic relationships and my own thing that is not attached to my dad or what he's done. Yeah. And so that definitely took some time. And I think that I had to set up some boundaries to with my dad to make that happen. Some of those boundaries were um, I didn't hug him for a while. Yeah. Because it made you uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't say I love you for a while. Yeah. Because I didn't really know what that meant anymore. Right. Or why I was saying it anymore. Like, yeah. Like I you, know you, I love You him. wanted to bust the routine of just saying it just to say it. Right. And sort through your feelings about him. Right. Now that doesn't make parents happy. Right. <laughs> so I will say that. I'm sure if you're a parent listening on the other side of this podcast, you're like, well, what do you mean? Like you didn't stop. You stopped saying it. I still loved my dad. Yeah. I needed to stop saying it because it felt like it had a different meaning. Yeah. For a while. Right. Um, I made a boundary that I wouldn't spend time alone with my dad for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, when I broke that boundary, I would only meet with him like for lunch in public places. And it was more formal trying to like re get to know this man that I didn't know anymore. Yeah. And it took a long time. Like it was not easy. Like I'm saying this now and it sounds easy. No, it sounds painful. Yeah. And, and difficult. It just, it wasn't easy because every interaction was an uphill battle. It was hurting him. So did your dad push back on your boundaries for a while? On all of them, yes. At what point? And honestly, I think that prolongs how long it takes when, so for those of you who are listening who are the parents, if you have a child, an adult child in this case, who is mature enough to set boundaries like that, I mean, most mature adults don't know how to set good, healthy boundaries, um, then my recommendation would be to respect and honor those boundaries. Do not take it personally. We we say this is a slogan in recovery is Q-tip. Quit taking it personally. <laughs> like this is about your your adult child or your teenage child. It's not about you. And that sometimes I, I liken it to when you go through betrayal in your family, it's like you have third degree burns all over your body mm-hmm. and you need, if you did have third, have third degree burns, you would need some space. You would need some physical space. You would need some different ways to care for yourself on a mm-hmm. physical and emotional level to cope with the pain. And so that's very similar 
in a lot of ways, we just need some space and yeah. we need some time to heal without somebody poking on those wounds. Yeah. And so I think that is one way that both a husband to a wife who's been betrayed, but also a father who has betrayed his his family mm-hmm. can um, help his spouse and his children heal is to honor and respect whatever boundaries you need to set and not take it personally, but allow that person to have space and time to recover. Mm -hmm. And I would say the same for the mom in the situation because it was hard sometimes she was seeing my dad's pain and then sometimes without knowing it was guilting me about the boundaries I was setting. Which is triangulation. Right. Yeah. You know, are you familiar with that term? Yeah. 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 So for our but audience, explain that. Out yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So triangulation is where like Taylor was having conflict directly with her dad. And instead of just keeping that conflict between her and her dad, which would be like a straight line with two points at the end, we're adding a third point, which would be her mom forming the shape of a triangle. So she's go, she's the go between. She's going to Taylor, trying to make things better for Taylor and her dad. And that is, it's a really unhealthy um, dynamic in any relationship, um, in any family system. Mm-hmm. So in this case, you and your dad needed to hash this stuff out and deal with it just between the two of you, because the problem was between the two of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a whole separate relationship and a whole set of healing to do with your mom and yeah. healing in your relationship with your mom was completely different dynamic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that was, I mean, we had to find a new familial normal. Yeah. And to do that, you have to undo your previous normal. Yeah. Almost completely. And it takes a while. It does. We had to, you know, there was things that were normal in my family before that just couldn't be normal anymore. Like it was, I came from a very touchy-feely family growing up. We always hugged each other, touched each other, kissed each other, held each other's hands, whatever it was. And that is very normal in my family. I had to undo that for a while. Yeah. And some of those changes have been permanent. Yeah. But I had to undo the majority of that for a while. It was normal, you know, in Christian culture to call things daddy-daughter dates. Mm -hmm. Spending time with my dad was called a daddy-daughter date. And it's always been called that. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But it took on a new meaning when I found out about my dad's sexual life. A little girl shouldn't know about her dad's sexual life. Right. And a, a grown-up girl shouldn't know about right. her dad's sexual life. Right. So when you say date and you use this word of me spending time with you in in a romantic term, it made me feel like I was just another one of my dad's women. That is so disturbing, Taylor. Yeah. So you don't call it that anymore? No. Yeah. And that's and, okay. But it's still, you know, even until recently is something that my dad's had a hard time letting go of. Yeah. And, you know, even the term daddy was like a little girl term that I used to call my dad. Yeah. And and I couldn't say that anymore, nor did I want to. And that was also something that I've had to talk to both my parents about because they would continually use that term and I needed to stop using that term because it brought different connotation for me it wasn't something I couldn't look at him like the little girl I was anymore yeah well and to some degree that's a normal part of growing up Mm -hmm. I mean a lot of women when they grow up they stop calling their father daddy and they call him dad instead it's a it's a more mature grown not to say that it's wrong if somebody wants to call their father daddy that's yeah 
you know, to each his own. But if you decide you don't want to, that's completely fine too. Yeah. But it was just having to reset so much of our familial norm and to rebuild that, like to be okay with rebuilding that. And I would say it was an uphill battle of boundaries that my parents didn't want to keep, but you know, but then there was also things that they were willing to step up and do that helped in the healing. My dad and I went to counseling together. Oh, that's so good. My mom and I did some counseling together. I mean, we did some, I mean, saying that to a lot of my friends, they're shocked that my parents went to counseling with me because their parents would never go to counseling with them. And they're not even in this kind of situation, you know? And so it's a huge step. Like I thought it was a huge commitment step for my dad and for my mom to be willing to do that when I knew they didn't want to do it either. Right. Um, Your parents, though, from the beginning of that last D-Day in July, right, they both went and got their own help. Yes. And let's fast forward. Here we are today, um, February 2021, and their marriage is is been resurrected or rebuilt. They're still together. They did not get a divorce. Um, And there was some separation for a time within their house. Uh, There was a lot of things they had to figure out. They were going to their own groups, uh, their own counseling. I did some counseling with my dad. I did some counseling with my mom. We had some, we were all finding our own healing. And that's something that I would encourage daughters to do. No matter what your age is, Mm -hmm. you can find your own recovery and you should find your own recovery because there was times that my dad wasn't finding the recovery I wanted him to find or I didn't think he was doing enough or it wasn't on the timeline that I thought it should be on. But I was finding my own recovery because that was what was important to me and it didn't matter what my parents were weren't doing, I needed to find that healing for myself. So, Taylor, um, for women who need uh, support for their daughters, like, you know, that's usually how daughters get the support they need is the, the their mother comes and says, I need help for my daughter. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend they do? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things for sure. I think they should join the Daughters in the Battle group. I think that's an important piece uh, because they can find that community and their girls cannot feel alone in their pain. I also think that finding a counselor that specializes enough in sexual addiction is important, which is something we've talked about. So, yeah, you guys, when I started Daughters in the Battle in December of 2017, um, we were meeting just once a month on a Tuesday night. And guess what? That is still happening. It is now led by Taylor and Kirsten, another young woman who was also an OG, original member of Daughters in the Battle. And I could not feel more confident in Taylor and Kirsten's ability to lead other young women towards recovery. I could not feel any more confident at all. I highly recommend that if you are the daughter of betrayal, or if you are a man or a woman who has unwanted sexual behavior and that's impacted your kids, or you're the spouse who's been betrayed, that you get in touch with us. And so Mm. what we would recommend you do is go to living-truth.org and fill out um, the form to say, yeah, I want to be on your mailing list. And then you can let us know there that you um, are interested in information about Daughters in the Battle. There is an option for that. And I will get you in touch with with Taylor um, 
and keep you in the loop for all that's going on. But typically, Daughters in the Battle meets every Tuesday at 7 p.m. over Zoom. Every The first Tuesday of every month. That's what, yeah. Sorry, that was so confusing. <laughs> the first Tuesday of every month, not every Tuesday. At 7 p.m. on mm-hmm. Zoom, yes. 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, sometimes Indianapolis girls will connect and get together yes. in person. Yes. Um, that's where we're located. So, um, and what exactly happens at a Daughters in the Battle meeting? Yeah, so we have girls that range in age from 15 to 28 uh, who come together to basically talk about what they're feeling, what's happening in their family. Uh, we, Kirsten and I switch off every month leading, but we're always there and we'll bring up different topics that girls typically deal with. So setting boundaries, which is something we've talked about in this episode as a topic or triggers or What's gaslighting or just kind of these buzzwords that we know to be really helpful but aren't commonly known uh, without doing this work and, and understanding, you know, our healing journeys. And so we'll go through those different topics with the girls. We'll kind of check in on where they're at with those topics, advice that they have for each other or we give them advice about how to set better boundaries or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and we kind of just work through that together and yeah it's just been a really powerful time to find that healing and give each other ideas of how to get closer to God how to find that healing that we need and how to walk on this recovery journey as our own whole humans and not just daughters who have a lot of family problems or whatever it is and some people might think oh my gosh how awkward this sounds so awkward to go and like talk to perfect strangers (laughs) about these really deeply personal yeah issues but in some ways these strangers become like sisters right Mm -hmm. I mean you remember that first retreat that we did and the second one too for that matter it's like when you go to this depth of honesty yeah about what you're going through and the pain, the depth of the pain and you see in other people's eyes they get me and you see the acceptance and the love and no judgment it is so healing that yeah. you feel like all of a sudden like I, I've known these people for so yeah. long because we've gone to such real deep places and also you might think that going to a meeting like this would be kind of boring but the reality is that the laughter that we can share with each other is incredible the joy that you can share with each other because you can't make this stuff up (laughs) some of the stuff that we've gone through that we talk about with each other it's like you eventually have to laugh about some of it right because it's just so painful but yet we all get each other yeah yeah it's definitely an instant connection because you're getting past all of the crap of of meeting somebody initially that you would normally you know there's not a lot of small talk about the weather or whatever Mm -hmm. it is it's just like we all know why we're here we're all in this group because we have been impacted by sexual betrayal because of our parents and so let's talk about it yeah for sure so Taylor, thank you so much. Is there anything you'd want to say to, especially to daughters who are listening, um, if you if you had them one-on-one, what would you say to them as an encouragement or as a next step for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say to one, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. That, you know, like you said earlier, Kristen, this is traumatic. This is not small. This is not a sexual betrayal in a movie it's 
real life and it's happening to you and you are affected by it even though it's your parents relationship as a daughter you're a part of that relationship and what is happening in your family is happening to you so take care of yourself make um you know find some boundaries some good healthy boundaries to set up that you you know can eventually take down as you work through your healing journey one by one but set those up now sooner rather than later so that you can find the healing in the space you need and and really it sounds cliche but tuck into Jesus like mm-hmm. he wants to show up for you he cares about your pain he wants to meet you in your suffering and and he really wants to give you purpose in your pain ultimately mm-hmm. and so the only way to find out what that purpose is and to find true healing and recovery is to is to bring it to the light and to start talking about it to find you know, join a different daughter's group or the one that we're talking about, find a counselor, find some support and show up and keep showing up. And, Mm -hmm. and the more you do that, the more Jesus will meet you in that and bring you on amazing journey to find healing and wholeness. Yeah. I mean, look, what a great example you are of that (laughs) Taylor. Like you went through this and almost immediately you're like, I am going to make meaning out of this pain here. I'm going to follow God's lead into pouring into other girls. And what's so beautiful too, though, is how you were also able to just kind of fall apart and fall into his arms instead of just taking care of everybody else. Like the, there was this pressure to be there, to be there for your mom, but at, at you also were able to set some boundaries and realize, okay, I need to take care of myself. Like my, yeah. my mental, emotional, um, psychological health, etc. Health on every level is impacted by the trauma of this. I need my own support. And so you you did that. And then you take it and you turn it around and you give back to others. And I love that. One last question before we wrap up is what would you say to um, to a mom who has been betrayed and is thinking about her children and what to do or what not to do yeah. to support her kids? I would say your kids already know that something's going on in your house. No matter how much you think you've kept it a secret and no matter how old they are. Yeah. It's okay to not tell them everything, but it's not okay to not address it because they are aware of what's happening. And so depending on their age level or what's going on, you can appropriately address it and just at least say like, hey, there's, you know, there's something happening with me and your dad. Uh, This is not a good situation we're gonna make sure you're protected you're safe you're okay Mm -hmm. and letting them know that they're gonna be fine because there's a lot of uncertainty when you know that your parents aren't doing well but you don't know what's happening right and so if you can just at least reassure them check in with them and make sure that they're okay I would say that's step one because they know that there's something happening Um, but I would also say that just ask questions like be willing to ask them how they're doing, um, if they, you know, if they need things, like what's going on at school, because the more that you can say in communication with them, the the more that they will tell you what's going on and you can meet them in that place. And then, and then, yeah, get them support. Uh, there's, I mean, I have moms reaching out mm-hmm. on a pretty regular basis now asking for support for their daughters. And I think that's amazing. You know, they, 
um, in a lot of ways, your relationship is what brought them to this point. And so for you to be a part of their healing journey, I think is really healing in and of itself. So being willing to find them support and help them find a counselor and help them get into a group, I think is a really crucial part to all of this. I'm going to tack one more thing onto it. With the questions you said, like ask Mm -hmm. good questions, I encourage parents to, after you let your kids know, like something is like, let's assume that you think your kids don't know anything. I agree with with what Taylor said. They know something's wrong. Yeah. Um, But don't assume that they know what it is. I would encourage parents to ask your kids, have you ever um, seen or found anything that made you think that there could be something wrong? Mm -hmm. I would ask some gentle leading questions but not necessarily saying hey straight up your dad's cheating yes um because if your child doesn't know that it's that it's better for you to not tell them exactly that it's that (laughs) yes um but to 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 deny that there's a problem or there's something to to not deny there's something seriously wrong is um obliterates your child's sense of intuition that they can trust their their gut and trust that they are sensing something is wrong. It can, it can really obliterate their um, ability to trust their own gut. Yes. Um, However, giving your child, like the level of graphic details you got because your dad's mistress texted you, that in and of itself was traumatic. Yeah. And so if your child doesn't know, um, then I would recommend you don't tell them details However, I have heard so many stories where a child has stumbled across dad's porn or like you did, stumbled across that he was on dating sites. So do not assume that your kids don't know anything. In fact, however you can ask them questions, have you ever seen anything that's made you uncomfortable? Have you ever stumbled across anything on the computer or have you ever overheard a conversation? Mm -hmm. You know, so... Asking them yes and no questions like that, I think, can be really helpful because a lot of kids carry, like you, when you were 16 and you found your your dad's stuff on the computer, you went and told your mom, probably because you were so close to your mom, mm-hmm. and you saw your mom as strong enough to take this information. There are other kids who, they keep that secret. Yeah. And that is so, such a huge burden for a kid to bear. And then a lot of those kids do end up acting out sexually, whether it's with pornography or with other people, um, both because of the pressure of holding the secret, but also because of that, okay, if my dad's my role model and he's doing this, then it must be okay. Right. So I would encourage you to ask your kids, are you holding any secrets about something that you already know? And let them take the lead with what they do know or what they have seen. And I wouldn't just ask that question one time. Yes. I would ask that maybe in a couple different contexts, perhaps with a counselor. Um, And letting your kid know they will not be in trouble because sometimes they think they're going to blow up their family. Yeah. Kids are, especially younger kids are so, you know, we're all so self-centered by nature, but especially when we're children. And so kids think that if they tell this information to mommy, that they're going to they're gonna be the one responsible for ending their family. And so that there are all kinds of reasons why kids will hold on to secrets like that. Mm-hmm. So that's my added encouragement to you parents is to um, go after your kid's heart, but yeah. also go after what they have been holding on to in their minds and yeah. help them relieve the, help relieve them of that burden and let them know that whatever ends up happening with mom and dad, that they are loved, they are um, cherished, Never talking badly about the other parent in front yeah. of that child because to shame the parent is to shame the child. 
um, it's a big part of it too, is like you said, is the trust part. I mean, mm-hmm. I also felt like I had trust issues with my mom because yeah. of all of it, even though she's not the person that betrayed in the situation, but she kept a lot of secrets from me too. And so yeah. rebuilding that trust is, is crucial. Mm-hmm. So the more that you can be consistent and show up and say that you're here mm-hmm. and that you're a safe person is, is important. And finally, I'm going to just add to like, encourage you to get your own support and not talk about your emotional, financial, sexual, or any other burdens with your child, even if they are an adult child and they seem like they can handle it. And the reason for that, you may be able to count on your adult child for other types of support, um, but with with something that involves their father, it's just too traumatic and too... Um, it's too painful. Yeah. It's too painful. What they're going through with their father is painful enough to them. They cannot be an unbiased source of support without you also damaging them. And so it's really important to get your own support um, for for this pain that you're going through and not to rely on your kids for that, even if they seem like old souls who can handle it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And usually they are. They're usually kids that go through this kind of thing. They mature quickly. Yeah. yeah. So for good or for bad. Right. Well, look at you, Taylor. <laughs> I'm just so thankful for how God has taken this pain in your life and turned it around to something incredible that you're able to use to be there for, you know, God only knows how many other young girls you're going to be able to be there for over the years. So I'm so thankful. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on our podcast. I hope this is the first many times that we can host you here. Yes. Thank you so much, Kristen. I I really appreciate everything that Living Truth does as a ministry and you really are helping so many people. And so keep doing what you're doing and thank you for letting me be a part of it. Thanks, Taylor. All right, friends, we will look forward to seeing you on our next episode.